It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Let's start by quoting Psalm 28, verse 8. The Lord is their strength, and He is the saving strength of His anointed. First, let me ask the question, who are these individuals referred to as God's anointed? And the second question would be this, what is the anointing of God? Well, I'll tell you first what it's not. The anointing is not just another way of referring to the manifest presence of God. The word anointing is not just another title for the Holy Spirit. Rather, the anointing is the specific application of the Holy Spirit to a person's life to accomplish a specific and unique God-ordained, God-inspired task. Now, God could do it all by himself. He's God. He's omnipotent, which means all-powerful, omniscient, which means all-knowing, and omnipresent, which means everywhere all the time. He could do it much better than we can do it, and he could do it much quicker than we can do it. But he desires to use his yielded offspring, his covenant people, to accomplish his purposes in the earth. That divine design can be seen expressed in Psalm 115, verse 16. Listen closely. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. That is a divine order that was established from the very beginning. Do you remember after God created Adam and Eve, he gave a commission. He said, let them have dominion. Now, God has dominion over all the earth. Of course, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But there is a subdivision underneath God's headship. There are divinely ordered positions of authority all over the globe given to individuals who are anointed to accomplish God's will in the earth. He does it that way because he delights to grow us into a certain level of spiritual maturity that can only be attained by laboring in the kingdom with God, being co-workers with God. And he doesn't just demand that we do it within our own strength or our own abilities. He anoints us in order to have divine wisdom, divine authority, divine knowledge, divine power, divine insight into what can be done and when to do it and with whom to share the truth and how to share. He gives a divine inspired plan in every little detail so that we can participate in his program in the earth. Let's roll the pages all the way back to Exodus. Let me share some really interesting things about something called the holy anointing oil. See, God speaks in metaphorical pictures, in poetically beautiful analogous comparisons, and that's true with respect to Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 38. God gave a design 
for something called the holy anointing oil. And it was called holy. And something holy is something very sacred and not to be taken lightly, something that is only to be used in a worshipful way, honoring God. He gave certain ingredients. I won't go into the details of what those ingredients represent, like the myrrh and the sweet-smelling cinnamon and the sweet-smelling cane and the cassia and the olive oil. All these were necessary ingredients in the holy anointing oil. And that oil was used to anoint the entire tabernacle, all the utensils, all the pieces of furniture, the altar, the labor, the lampstand, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant, the curtains, everything was anointed with the holy anointing oil. Because anything that had a part in God's plan to redeem men and women, to atone for their sins, and to bring them back into a relationship with himself, had to be anointed. It had to be set apart as something sacred by this ritual of placing oil, a specific kind of oil, not just a common oil. In fact, they had the strict command from God not to use the holy anointing oil in a common way. And if anyone tried to reproduce it for personal use, God said they would be cut off from his people, which is a very serious thing. Through the years, I've met every now and then someone that I thought was trying to use the anointing for his own personal gain or for some kind of personal agenda. It never worked. It always ended in disaster in one way or another. Because if God gives you an anointing that's a serious thing that should cause you to be sober-minded in the way you approach life, in the way you yield to God and follow his instructions as you exhibit the anointing to a human race that is desperately in need of it. Again, God didn't allow them to do anything with regard to worship unless there was anointing oil applied to the furniture and the persons involved in that worshipful connection between heaven and earth called the tabernacle of Moses. It's still true that anything that deals with worship has to be anointed or it's worthless. There's a lot that goes on in the name of Christianity that is not anointed. The presence of the Holy Spirit does not flow through the actions, the rituals, the ceremonies that are performed, certainly in the name of quote-unquote Christianity. But if the anointing of the Holy Spirit is there, it accomplishes God's purposes. I think it's also interesting to see that in the Old Testament, the anointing was poured out on seven different kinds of individuals. Number one, patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, the patriarchal line that brought forth the nation of Israel. They were called the anointed, and God said in reference to them, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. In fact, the scripture said he reproved kings for their sake. 
Because if you are one of God's anointed, he's going to watch over you. He's going to guard you. Nothing's going to take you out of this world until the appointed time. He will rebuke anyone and anything that tries to destroy his purposes in you. As long as you are yielded to him, you are in a protected place. That doesn't mean that trouble will not come your way. It does mean God is in control. Patriarchs were anointed. Number two, judges were anointed. Like Samson, the Spirit of the Lord would come on him, and he could perform superhuman deeds. And then, after he backslid and the Spirit left him, when he was being treated like an animal and he was grinding out wheat chained to a mill wheel, he said, God, move on me one more time. Oh, touch me with your spirit one more time. And the anointing came upon him, and he accomplished more in his death than he did in his life when he pushed against the pillars and the temple of that false god collapsed. See, he was anointed for a specific task. That's not the kind of anointing I've received, trust me. And I'm sure it's probably not the, the kind of anointing you've received. Kings were also anointed. Saul is an example the prophet Samuel poured out oil on Saul in the act of consecration and anointed him to be king over all of Israel. And the Bible said God gave him another heart and he was turned into another man when the Spirit of the Lord moved on him. And if God pours out his anointing on your life, you'll have a new heart and you'll be a new person with a new set of values and abilities that are far greater than your own natural abilities. Number four, prophets were also anointed, like Elijah, who received the anointing of God. And when he passed into the next world in a chariot of fire, his anointing, represented by his mantle, passed to Elisha, the prophet who was anointed to fill that role after Elijah was gone. Governors were anointed. Zerubbabel, who was over Judah in the days of the restoration of the temple, was spoken of as being one of God's anointed in all the earth. Then the priests were anointed. Aaron and his sons received this special outpouring of anointing oil where Moses anointed them before the Lord, and God instructed him to anoint Aaron and his sons, and listen to how God worded it, to minister unto me in the priest's office. How unique is that? Because Aaron and his sons, who were the first of the priestly line in Israel, were not just anointed to minister to the people God put the priority in place of ministering to him first, and out of ministry to God flowed ministry to the people. And I believe that same divine order is in place. We are first anointed to minister to God. And after that, out of that flows ministry to the people. Finally, number seven, there were certain times when soldiers were anointed to have supernatural power in battle. And of course, David is a prime example of that in both the role of a king and the role of a soldier, because by the anointing of God, he brought down Goliath with just a stone and a sling. And he said, by my God, I've run through a troop and leapt over a wall, I'm sure, there was a power around David on the battlefield. Now, it's so interesting to see 
that all those seven categories, patriarchs, judges, kings, prophets, governors, priests, soldiers, were fulfilled on a much higher level in the Son of God when he came. Daniel referred to him as the Messiah, which means the anointed one. And when Jesus came, he filled that role. In fact, when he announced his ministry in Nazareth, listen to the words that he spoke in Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. He announced what God was going to use him to accomplish. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord Yahweh has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to notice, curiously and strangely, that four of the five things that the Messiah was anointed to do involved speaking. He said, the spirit of the Lord God has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. Now that's doing something, but then to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the opening of the prison to the bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, because those who are anointed understand the power of words. Just like God created the universe in the beginning with words, he brought forth a new covenant that changed the entire world with words when he walked on the earth. And if you have an anointing from God, you know how God hides that anointing in something invisible called words. The words that come out of your mouth are saturated with the power of the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill God's purposes in the world. And out of that flows healing healing for the heart and the mind of broken and destroyed people, healing for the soul, healing for those who are dead in trespasses and sins, healing for those who are struggling and are afflicted in so many ways because of the battles of life or their own personal failures. If you're anointed, you are the answer to those problems. You are the solution that God has sent into problematic areas that have no other answer except someone who comes with an anointed answer and an anointed ministry to bring deliverance and wholeness. Praise God, you're more important than you think you are. Now, watch how all seven of those categories were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, patriarchs. Well, he was the patriarch of all patriarchs, the ancient of days himself. Number two, judges. The Bible called Jesus the judge of all the earth. Number three, kings were anointed, and Jesus is the king of kings. Prophets were anointed under the old covenant, and Jesus was called that great prophet that Moses said would yet come. Governors were anointed under the old covenant, and Jesus is referred to as the one who will be governor among the nations. Priests were anointed in the Old Testament, and Jesus is called the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Soldiers were anointed in the old covenant at times, and Jesus is called the captain of our salvation who fights on the battlefield of life. So all seven areas 
in which the anointing was evidenced in the old covenant were brought to completion and fulfillment and perfection in the Messiah, the anointed one who came to change everything. But something amazing about the anointed Messiah, he came to share his anointing with us. First John chapter 2, verse 27 says, The anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. What a powerful passage. The anointing, the specific application of the Holy Spirit to your life abides in you, and it teaches you how to abide in him. So it perfects this potential oneness that you have with the Almighty God in order to be his instrument of righteousness in this world. And you have access into a database supernaturally that is incredible because 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. And the word translated unction in the King James Version is also translated anointing in the New King James Version, but it's the same word translated anointing, charisma. I have a friend who said, I'd rather have unction than to have action, because you can have all kinds of religious activity in your life that doesn't accomplish much. But if it's under the unction, it will bring forth heaven's purposes. Now, let me end this program, this episode, by referring back to the original passage of Scripture we started with, Psalm 28, verse 8. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Now, that's an Old Testament passage of Scripture, but let's go to the original Hebrew, because the word translated saving there is Yeshua, which means salvation. And it was the name given to the Son of God by the angel Gabriel. He told Mary, you shall call his name Yeshua, or you shall call his name Jesus. Now, I'm sure the name Jesus, which is the rendering of this name in English, was not the way Gabriel pronounced it to a Hebrew girl. He would have used a Hebrew word, which was Yeshua. Now, isn't it strange? It says the Lord is their strength. He is the Yeshua strength of his anointed. In other words, if you're one of the anointed, you have Yeshua strength. You have a strength similar to the strength exhibited by the Lord Jesus Christ when he conquered sin, he conquered Satan, he conquered death, he conquered hell, he conquered the grave, he conquered all the adversaries of the human race. And you have that kind of Yeshua strength where you can overcome it all in his name and by his power. Also, Psalm 28, verse 8 says, The Lord is their strength. He is the saving strength of his anointed. And the Hebrew word translated anointed is Mashiach, which is also translated Messiah. So the anointed of the Lord are participating in what the Messiah intends to do in reclaiming this world. In fact, anyone who is anointed has to have a Messiah mentality. And a Messiah mentality is a willingness 
to make yourself vulnerable, to jeopardize your own life for the good of others and for the fulfillment of God's purposes. Jesus, because he was the Messiah, went to the cross to face off with the enemies of the human race so that he could deliver us. He put himself in a vulnerable position where they took advantage of him and nailed him to a tree. Well, in like manner, if we are the Mashiach, we are the anointed who have a Messiah-like mentality, we will have a self-sacrificing mindset where we will willingly give our lives for the advance of the kingdom and for the purposes of God to prevail in the world, not for our sake, but for the sake of God's glory and the benefit of other people. I challenge you to come to grips with the fact that if the Holy Spirit is in your heart and your life, you are one of God's anointed. Now go into the world with a messianic kind of fervor and passion and willingness to sacrifice and change the world for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. You are God's anointed. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.